0: The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language.
1: Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. And we will start as has become our custom with the main event.
0: Stock up, stock down. All right, Joel, the main event saw Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers defeat the Young Bucks and Jon Moxley, but the results here don't matter. It was the finish of the match, which saw the Young Bucks turn on, not even turn on Moxley, but returned to Kenny Omega. And the Elite, the Bullet Club is fine. Joel, what were your immediate reactions to? the swerve? I don't even know what was a swerve. What what your what were your thoughts on this?
1: Uh so in the moment, I was kind of upset and I thought I was upset because I didn't like the booking. And I've had some time to think about it. We're recording on Thursday and on reflection, I don't think I'm upset with the booking. I think The booking makes sense. I think I was upset in the way that they intended for me as a, you know, kayfabe viewer of pro wrestling to be upset because, you know, the bad guys stood tall and, you know, the good guy was left abandoned by his newfound compatriots. And, you know, the only thing that really could have happened ran its course, which is that these friends got back together and their friendship is stronger than the disagreements that they have and the rift that was being formed between them and uh, Kenny Omega due to the intervention of Don Callis. So I I think that there's an interesting story to come here. And I'm still mad, but I know why I'm (laughs) mad now. And I feel good about the way in which I am mad, if that makes sense.
0: Well, I'm glad you're in such a good, good, uh, in touch with your feelings and your emotions here. That's, that's a very good thing. It's funny when Kenny turned heel last fall, all I wanted was Omega and the bucks to be these massive evil heels. Like they were in NJPW and that's, I remember thinking, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. And then over the last of the course, six, seven weeks, I became open to the possibilities of them not being together, but actually feuding and going to war against one another. So I'm not as angry as I was last night. I think I wrote you last night that this was the coward's way out <laughs> of booking <laughs> Um is that they didn't have the balls to keep these guys separated. I don't know if it's quite that, but I was really intrigued of what the dynamics of this story could be, where you would essentially have three little groups feuding here because they obviously... Moxley and Omega have been feuding, but they also kind of had teased this. Moxley doesn't really trust the Bucks. They're gonna, Mosley, did I say Mosley? Moxley, um, didn't really trust the Bucks. Him and Kingston were, uh, had their concerns. And then obviously the Bucks and Omega. So I thought it'd be this kind of cool, you know, three way story that we don't see a lot. Usually AEW stories are pretty confined to one group of people versus another group of people or one person versus another person to have these kind of different. Uh, not factions, but, you know, invested parties and in the story w- was keeping me interested. And now I kind of think like the inevitable response here is Moxley and uh, Kingston are going to need some allies here. And that death triangle young bucks tag team title match next week seems very, very convenient. If, if you ask me. So, which would be weird because didn't Kingston just break up with the death triangle (laughs) like last fall, you know, when Pat came back. So we know AEW doesn't follow what we expect. I've learned that. So it may not be the, the, the death triangle and Moxley and page page Moxley and Kingston coming together here. But that seems very, very like what they're doing. And if that's it, then okay, we'll see.
1: So, um I, I think we've seen Kingston mend fences quickly with people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know Moxley. he was he was going after Moxley super hard and now they're back together in each other's corners. So I think that's a pretty simple fix. And you know, with Death Triangle getting their opportunity at the tag titles, Uh, That's got to happen. And it it does create an interesting opportunity for some people who have a connection, who have talked openly about their connection to kind of rekindle that friendship. Another thing that kind of factors into this is just because the Bucks are on the same side as Kenny Omega does not mean that they're on the same side as the Good Brothers and Don Callis. Mm -hmm. So there can still be some static within that group, uh, with the different members, because, uh, you know, after the show last night, Matt Jackson posted an image that was, you know, Kenny and the young bucks, uh, the elite rule professional wrestling. And it was just the three of them. So, you know, the good brothers, are they chopped liver here in the eyes of the young bucks? And, is there still some strife between these individuals? So I think there's still some interesting, uh, multifaceted storytelling that we could get here. Uh, and I think what they did very successfully is generated a lot of conversation. Uh, this and our next topic, which we'll get to, are, are the two things that everybody in the pro wrestling world has been talking about uh, with regards to AEW is this you know, Young Bucks and Kenny Omega coming back together. And this has been a long-term story. It's been going on for a while. So I'm interested to see what the next development is. Who are the people who are going to come in to equalize those numbers? Or are Moxley and Kingston just going to equalize the numbers by bringing weapons into the affair and, you know, trying to change the numbers that way? Uh, It's not something that would be outside of the norm for them. And, uh, we'll see if that's a possibility here. So, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm still like, you know, kayfabe upset with, (laughs) with what went down because, you know, I'm, I'm fully behind, uh, Moxley here. And, uh, you know, I liked seeing this conflicted Bucks, but I think the Bucks can still be conflicted even with this kind of recommittal to Kenny Omega. So, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they play this out.
0: Yeah. I got two more things to say, and then we can move on here. Uh, one. Yeah. If, if Moxley and Kingston bring in more weapons, maybe we'll get a bomb that works this time. Just saying. <laughs> um, and two, uh Matt Jackson, you got to work on your fake tan there, bro. Did you see it dripping down his head at the end I of the not show? I did not notice that. I didn't oh, see it, that. it literally looked like doo-doo, like dripping down his face. It was disgusting. Like, Go back and check it out, but stock down to Matt Jackson's fake tan. Gotta let that set, dude. You gotta let that set. (laughs) Like, Anywho, Joel, let's move on to what I thought was my favorite part of the night. Chris Jericho on the microphone. We've been pretty anti-Chris Jericho here for a while, but this promo was freaking awesome. I loved it. It was so funny. I... One thing I'm gonna go into my I did improv once, but when I did improv, one of the things they talked about is like when you're telling a story, is to find c- certain themes or elements and emphasize it, continue to repeat it. The amount of times he used my jerk off friend was just like speech writing 101. Like he kept coming back to it, kept coming back to it. I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting. And the final result is we're finally getting blood and guts, Joel. Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle on May 5th. I believe May 5th, May 4th. So insanely excited to see how a W handles a, uh, blood and guts style match, which is the war games match. And also Joel, just are you back in on Jericho? I'm not, um, let me just say I'm not, but I liked the energy he brought here. And it's the first time in months I've been interested in anything Jericho has had to say.
1: So I'm going to frame it this way. I am in the same place that I've been with Jericho, which is I'm not really interested in seeing him wrestle. I I think the best matches of Chris Jericho's career are behind him. And, you know, I don't think that's a controversial statement either. That being said, his utility on the microphone leading a faction is something that I haven't questioned he's really really damn good i thought his his look was really great as well Mm -hmm. um i like the kind of grizzled uh slightly gray beard that he's growing um and i think that could be a really good look for him if he were to continue to grow that out Uh, um but he looked like the leader of a faction you know he absolutely pulled that off his uh cracks on the microphone were fantastic uh you know one little slip up uh, but you know that can be forgiven uh wardlow <laughs> certainly <laughs> doesn't have a 13 cent body um and a I, I do think brain. there's a chance he has a, a, a million dollar brain though he could uh he, could. <laughs> he seems really smart from from all the times that i've heard him talk mm-hmm. uh but I, I thought this was a really strong promo Uh, The only critique I would have, and and this is just kind of my own personal taste. I always prefer a shorter promo. Um, He kind of went out there and was holding court and it was Mm -hmm. a longer uh, segment. Uh, The best promos, the promos throughout wrestling history that we talk about are very brief, Um, hard times, very brief promo, the Ric Flair with a tear in my eye, very short promo. Uh, You know, so I think for things to be memorable, it's better for them to resolve quickly. There's almost too much there for me to be able to pick out the specific things. You know, he did have that recurring theme like you talked about, and I think that Mm -hmm. was a really strong uh, component of the promo. Uh, But ultimately, this is Chris Jericho doing what Chris Jericho does at this stage in his career best, and that is get on the mic and talk. And promote a match promote a specific angle he's one of the best of all time at this so none of us should be surprised that he was able to come out and and cut this promo it's fantastic
0: yeah and I'm hoping that this new iteration this this reborn back in black uh as Jericho would say inner circle relies on the the work rate guys I really hope that going forward it's Sammy working a ton it's Uh, proud and powerful Centeno Ortiz getting a lot of work. Hell, even Hager, who still has us blocked. But if Hager, like, Jericho doesn't need to be in every single match. He doesn't need to be the champion focal point anymore. And I'm glad that this feud is leading towards a faction versus faction match because I don't know if I could have sat through another Chris Jericho MJF match I don't really want to see Jericho in singles matches really that much anymore anyway. So I am think pretty much everything I wanted out of this, you know, I'm not going to be looking at the inner circle as pure baby faces. And I don't think that was the tone they were, they were projecting yesterday. I think they're pissed and I don't like Jericho saying you, you're going to hear what I have to say right after this commercial was still a heelish dick move to get heat, you know, like, so I don't think they're going to be, uh, the prototypical baby faces here, which I think is would be a waste of the personalities in this group. I also agree with Jericho that we should refer, refer to Marks as Maxes going forward. I am all for that. So I'm going to change the podcast from a couple of Marks to a couple of Maxes. I think that's a good way to go. But I, I um, do not
1: support this.
0: <laughs> but I thought there's some really good stuff in here, too. I love Jericho referencing Like, dude, I did Scarves a few years ago. Got a, I, I got a, I got a clipboard in the back. If you want to add it to the list, uh, I loved his rundown of the members of the Pinnacle. How <laughs> Tully Blanchett is a, the third ranked uh, four horsemen. I'm um, comparing him to
1: Paul Roma. Ouch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I love Dax and Cash as the Jonas Brothers. Talented. You just don't know which one is which. <laughs> like I thought they were all like I thought they weren't silly insults, which is what we've kind of gotten from Jericho at times. I thought these, like if I'm Dax and cash, I'm, I'm, I'm pissed. And if I'm Tully, I'm like, Hey, I was better than him. I was better than Anderson. So, you know, I thought there was some really good stuff here. Um, now you're right. We don't need Jericho doing long form promos every single week, but as a reintroduction of what the 2.0 version of the inner circle is, I think it was effective. And I want to talk very briefly before we move on, Joel, apparently Mike Tyson and Jericho are buddy buddies after almost killing each other last summer. So this is an example of a W changing course where I'm just like, well, that was stupid. <laughs> like I know if it's Tyson as a company, if Tyson says, Hey, I'm free to come on the show. You gotta make it work somehow. And the only person he had history on the show with was Jericho and you can't have Tyson after that Jericho come out and just knock him the hell out. So I get it. Just, just,
1: yeah, I mean I understand the decision. Um I'm just I'm not a fan. I don't need to see Mike Tyson in my wrestling show. Um, and uh that's I think
0: it was I think it would have been a bigger deal if it was last summer when he was the first big time non wrestling figure to kind of do something with AEW, but we've we've had Shaq. Since then. And not only we have, we had Shaq, we had Shaq in a barn burner match. Like, you know, there's like, it, it just, it didn't hit as well as his showing up last summer. I remember talking to friends who didn't watch AW and they changed the channels to try and see Mike Tyson on TNT, but yeah, just doesn't, doesn't hit as well anymore. Anything else about Tyson, Jericho, the pinnacle before we move on?
1: Um, only that I, I think this both teams being somewhat villainous and adopting heal tactics is interesting for now. But if they just keep going back and forth attacking one another, it's going to get stale really fast. So yeah. um, I like that what we got on this episode was cutting remarks from one faction and an attack mm-hmm. from the other faction. So hopefully it's not like the reverse next week where MJF Mm -hmm. comes out and responds on the microphone and then the inner circle attacks the pinnacle because that would be really predictable, really boring, Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't really advance things at all. Uh, Did you see what was announced
0: for next week's Dynamite involving these two teams? No, what's up? So it's going to be... um... Let me just double check. I'll clean this up because I just didn't have it on hand. It's going to be Chris Jericho versus Dax Hardwood with only um, Sammy Guevara and Cash Wheeler at ringside. All other members of the faction are banned from ringside. And the special guest enforcer is none other than Iron Mike Tyson. So we will be seeing him again. So that is, that is on the books for next week. So, um But, Joel, before we move on, I actually did have a question that I want to ask you. We didn't talk about it in rundown because I just remembered it now. We may delete it from the podcast anyways. But I saw some discussion on the internet wrestling community this week about how AEW has too many factions, too many factions. And my, my question to you is, we both have watched NJPW before where it seems like everyone's in a faction. What do you have to say to the people complaining about too many factions in AEW?
1: I mean, if it's actually causing you problems with watching the product, I think that's a legitimate thing to say, right? If, if you are deeply bothered by everyone being in a group, then OK. But like you said, in New Japan, everyone is in a faction like that's part of the promotion. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing uh, for me. It it's fine you know, we have these big groups and it gives the other big groups things to do. Uh, What I don't like in pro wrestling is when there's one faction that just kind of runs roughshod over everybody because no one else can stand up to them. And then you get bogus groups of people who don't fit together going up against this faction together. And it doesn't make any damn sense. And at the end of it all, like the faction dissolves and nothing is really, we're left with a vacuum. Uh, Factions are also a great way to get people on TV when you don't necessarily have individual things for them to do. So, Sean Spears, for example, being involved in the Pinnacle gets him on our TVs. That's something I'm very happy about. If we didn't have the Pinnacle, Sean Spears probably would still be doing nothing on Dynamite. So, I think factions create a lot of utility and opportunity for storytelling. And I don't think there's a hard and fast rule about how many factions you should have. So if you're just comparing it to the other wrestling company and saying there's too many factions, feels like everybody's in a faction because it's not what you're used to. I don't have time for that complaint. If it actually does bother you on its face, that Mm -hmm. these are warring factions instead of warring individuals, then that's a conversation we can have and disagree intellectually on you know, what makes for a good wrestling product. But I would also say if you don't like factions, there are plenty of other wrestling products out there that you can watch. Mm -hmm. So find something that's presenting the kind of wrestling that you want to watch. WWE isn't doing that for me anymore, which is why I stopped watching their product. (laughs) AEW consistently provides me with the kind of pro wrestling I want to watch and think about. And that's why I watch it week in and week out.
0: Great answer there, Joel. I'll add one thing to the, the faction conversation is what, what I liked about it in New Japan is that it's also a development system too. Like Jay White is the leader of the Bullet Club now, but he was part of what, Chaos beforehand and kind of built up his character, his persona there. And then him jumping to Bullet Club was a big deal. Then he ascended to the leadership. It gives a, it gives a development opportunity on screen, which you don't sometimes get, you know, sometimes the wrestler just comes back like, hey, this is the guy. But, you know, Sammy Guevara, we're seeing him grow. He's a much better performer now than he was when AEW first debuted two years ago. And I do think a part of that is because of what he's been able to do with Jericho and Santiano Ortiz, who are also veterans. He's been able to learn, grow. And remember, he had that suspension last year. And I'm sure having some grizzled vets around him, too, has helped. He'll understand the situation he was in by getting suspended and the luxury of the spot he's in. So, um, yeah, I have no issues with it. But I saw that conversation come up a lot last week. So I want to get your thoughts on it.
1: And one thing I will say, and I think this is a fair criticism of AEW's factions by comparison to New Japan. New Japan, the factions also have an identity. Right. So there is a style of wrestling or an attitude associated with the factions that is very clearly defined. Right. Traditionally, chaos is the babyface faction, the upright citizens, the good guy wrestlers, the Tanahashis, the Okadas. Uh, And then, you know, Bullet Club, of course, is the Gaijin faction. It's the largely non Japanese wrestlers, and, you know, they're kind of the troublemakers. You also have, uh, you know, Suzuki Goon, whose identity is defined by Minoru Suzuki, who is a brutal and vicious competitor. (laughs) And everyone else within that faction, like your Zack Sabre Jr., Lance Archer, when he was a part of Killer Elite Squad with Davey Boy Smith Jr., they were a part of Suzuki Goon because they just beat the hell out of everybody. So I think that aspect of the faction's in AEW could be developed more and i would like to see that uh but for now i i think we're in a good place and also we have to remember that those factions have been around for a long Long time time in japan and that tradition and those styles have been developed over that period of time but one thing to your point that factions provides you is that when people switch factions it's a big freaking deal Mm -hmm. so uh As these things become more clearly defined as these traditions are created and developed within AEW, I think the factions will become more satisfying, but you can't skip to that point. You have to go through this stage if you want to get there. And if you don't want to get there, that's fine. But it's clear to me that AEW does want these factions to exist. They want them to mean something. And I mean, the fact that the inner circle has existed for basically the entirety Mm -hmm. of AEW, you know that kind of long-term angle signals to me that it's not really an angle. This is a faction that's here to stay and has survived, you know, multiple bouts of in-group tension. So I I think this is something we're going to continue to see with AEW moving forward.
0: Agreed. All right, Joel, let's move on. You ready for some lightning rounds? Let's do it. Lightning Round. All right, man. First thing I really wanted to bring up was the opening match. Platinum Max Caster versus Hangman Page. I thought this was really fun. Uh, just a really good good, good opportunity for Caster to continue to show off, show off what he can do. I think they have a star with him, um, and I don't think I like how they're taking their time with him. There was no reason that he should be getting a win over Hangman right now, but I didn't actually think when they debuted what in November that he'd be having a singles match with hangman page. And it seems like the mindset with the acclaimed is more as a tool to get caster over as a single star. I know. And I'm going to what's the other guy's name? I know he's been hurt. Anthony Bowens has been hurt, which is why they had to stop teaming for a while. But with him back, it really seems like It's it's a chance to get Caster over and uh, get him some get him some uh, momentum.
1: So I I disagree with that. Uh, I think that Bowens is actually necessary for Caster because they kind of complement each other really well, both in the ring Mm -hmm. and out of the ring. I loved what they did last night with caster about to say something over the line and then bowen's <laughs> ripping the microphone away from him and saying say no no, no, you can't say that on tv because i think that could be a really good recurring thing for them and it allows caster to still have that edge and that flavor without them actually having him say quasi-offensive things on the air because <laughs> blow he me he does <laughs> toe the line and occasionally step a little bit across it. So mm-hmm. um, I really like Max Caster. I think he's a great talent. Anthony Bowens is also very, very good. And I think that Caster has more personality, but I think Bowens is actually the better in-ring worker. So the two of them together, they are better than the sum of their parts. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to more from them and I hope that Anthony Bowens is ready for, you know, full ring work soon.
0: Yeah. I, I will say that when they can get back into the tag division, I feel, feel like they could be a, probably shoot up those rankings quite fast. So Joel, you got something for me in lightning round here?
1: Yeah. I wanted to talk about a really good match between Ty Conti and, uh, the bunny, uh, I really enjoyed this. It went on late in the show, right before the main event. And I, I think had the main event not been so controversial, I, I think a lot more people would have been talking about this match because it was very mm-hmm. good and has continued to show uh, Ty Conti's ascendancy. She looked great in this match. Ali is someone who just sells so damn well. And it made everything that happened in this match look really, really good. So um, I like the use of Allie to uh, further Ty Conti getting her over, getting her prepped for this kind of uh, face versus face match between her and Sheeta, uh, because Ty has definitely been booked like a babyface, and of course he cut Sheeta as a babyface. So I think there's uh, some intrigue that can happen before we actually get that match, and I thought this was a good setup in furthering that relationship.
0: Yeah, I thought it was really good, and I, I like here that the the mini feud here between one okay is it the M- MFO? Is that what it, they're calling Hardy it? Hardy Family Office. Hardy HFO HFO Hardy Family Office and the Dark Order. I kind of like that this mini feud between these factions are being played out with the women here. Like they're the factions are being the supporting characters to the bunny and Taikanti. Um, I just thought that was interesting, and yeah, the. I like this Hikaru Shida. I love Hikaru Shida. And I think that match between her and Conti for the, the belt, whenever that happens, is going to be a banger. And, you know, we've complained. I, well, we both. We talked about how the sometimes with the women's championship, there isn't really story. It's all about just the belt. And we haven't really seen some of these uh, builds. And I love the idea of the friends competing and then someone getting angry or... You know, that whole Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, I just want to see who's best. And I think that's kind of the vibe we're getting here from Conti and Sheeta. And I'm curious to see how they they resolve it.
1: I think there's even another layer to it on top of that, which is that Sheeta wants Ty Conti at a hundred percent. So that they have, you know, and it's part of that strong style mentality that Sheeta has, right? I want your best. I want you to hit me as hard as you possibly can. And I'm going to absorb that and hit you right back. And if Conti's not at 100% because she's getting attacked by uh, members of the Hardy family office, namely the bunny, then that can't happen. So Sheeta is not just protecting Ty Conti, she's protecting the match and mm-hmm. the integrity of that challenge. And I think that's a really cool angle for her character. And it does give us more of a story and more of a build. And I think what we could see here is Conti eventually getting upset with Sheeta, being like, look, I don't need you watching my back. I can take Mm -hmm. care of myself. I'm a black belt in judo. Like I've got this covered. And I think that would be an interesting way for this to turn and get a little bit more antagonistic between these two. But if it does end up being the, like, I'm going to give you my best. You're going to give me your best. And we're going to see who comes out on top. I'm good with that too, because I, I do enjoy that story and pro wrestling also.
0: Yeah. Same. All right, Joel, I want to talk something real quick. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen JD Drake work before, but is he already a top five chopper? I thought he was going to implode, explode, whatever, plode Darby Allen's chest during that match, because those chops looked horrific. That's yeah, all JD Drake is very
1: good. Um, <laughs> I first saw him, uh, in a, when WWE aired that Evolve show on the network, uh, he faced off with a wrestler who I will not name. Um, and they had a very good match and, uh, JD Drake ended up losing that match. Uh, but I was thoroughly impressed. And, uh, he's someone kind of reminds me of Trevor Murdoch. If you remember Trevor Murdoch.
0: Yep. Um, Yep. I got some KO really, vibes too. Sorry, who turns up. I got some Kevin Owen vibes too, like the body. Yeah, type, yeah, I could see that. Stiff. Yeah.
1: Um, he he's not quite as like high flying as Kevin Owens. I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, but like Kevin Owens <laughs> can work like a cruiserweight when he wants to. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah, JD Drake is is really, really good. I think this is a great sign that we're seeing him in these kind of matches, he's not currently under contract with AEW. Um, I think he's on the like zero level or whatever. Mm -hmm. I forget exactly how they classify it. Uh, But he's someone I think would be a great signing. And there's a lot of different places you could see him fitting in. He's got the kind of grizzled indie reputation and could fit in with someone like an Eddie Kingston, or you could see him fitting in with the members of the pinnacle, honestly, because he's got that kind of old school Southern wrestling vibe and uh, I think there's there's a lot there, and he's just a
0: really good talent. This
1: was on my list of things to talk about as well, so I'm glad you brought
0: it up. Yeah, he also has a body type that isn't common in AEW. Uh, bigger, bigger guy, kind of meteor, you know, meteor, not like the thing in space, but he's meteor uh, <laughs> than than most of the AEW rosters. So it it adds some body diversity and a style. Five out of five, beefcake. Five out of five, beefcake, man, and being able to see Darby Allen just kind of ricochet off of him and uh, get thrown around. It's a good way for someone like Darby to work.
1: I love that spot where he threw Darby into the ropes uh, on the Mm -hmm. outside. Yeah. Up
0: and then like clothesline as he bounced back. Yeah, that was really, really cool.
1: (laughs) I love that kind of innovation. And I feel like I saw similar type things from him in his evolve match, which is the only other match of his that I've seen. So uh, hopefully he sticks around. Hopefully we get to see more of him because I think he's a great talent.
0: Yeah, same. You got something else for me, buddy?
1: Yeah, so it's my turn to uh, pose a question. Mike, I know uh, that you are a big Godzilla fan. Uh And uh, I had to get your reaction to the Godzilla versus Kong match. We saw Jurassic Express take on Bear Country. And uh, I gotta be honest, I came away from this a little bit more excited about bear country than Jurassic express. And I think part of that is, you know, we know and expect Jurassic express to put on these great matches. I was pretty blown away by the mobility of these big guys. Mm-hmm. What do you think?
0: Yeah. F- first off, I love how even the announcers were joking about the corporate synergy here. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Godzilla versus calling are the two biggest Kaijus in the, basically monster history and the equivalent of the AEW match is Lucha Express, no Jurassic Express versus Bear Country. No, didn't live up to the hype, but I, what I, what, what I took away from this match was uh, Lucha Express, sorry, Jurassic Express. God damn it. Did everything in the power to make Bear Country look great. Like the, the, the spots where I know there was a, a couple botches here, but where Luchasaurus like put over how strong these men are, I thought was really important to this match. And then the, the spot where I don't know their names where the two bears picked each other up and then did a cannonball into the corner. Like that's, that's a lot, a lot, a lot of weight. And I know they didn't get the win here, but this was another example of just a, a younger, younger, um, but a less over team getting a competitor, getting a chance to show out. And I was really, really expressed, like, expressed, impressed with what Bear Country was able to do in this match. And yeah, the tag team division in AW is still one of the best things they do.
1: So, all right. Well, uh, th- that's all I have. Is there anything else that you wanted to hit on in lightning round?
0: You know what? I think... I think we might've covered everything. So yeah, just a uh, oh, you know,
1: I do have one other thing uh, I oh, completely forgot about. Um, and part of it is how I wrote it down in my notes. Cause I'm looking at it and being like, I don't need to talk about QT's corner. No, I totally need to talk about QT's corner. I really oh, yeah. liked the QT Marshall promo. And this was something we talked about last week. We were concerned about that ability Uh, the ability of that faction to carry themselves on the microphone. And I think we learned two things. One, QT can do it. This Mm -hmm. was a solid, if not excellent, promo from from QT Marshall. But Anthony Agogo, give that man the microphone and let him run. Wow. So, so impressed. And uh, he looks like a million bucks. Uh, I love the accents. I love his fire and the delivery and i want to hear and see more from this guy i know he's been training really hard to transition from boxing to pro wrestling and uh this is someone who's a legit athlete and there's a good track record of people with this kind of background making their way over into pro wrestling uh you know it remains to be seen if he's going to be on the like ronda rousey level of of athleticism and ability in the ring but I, I think we're in for something pretty cool once he gets going.
0: Yeah, I love the part of his bit talking about like over oversee, you know, I'm a household name. I'm gonna teach you. Did he call us Yanks? I think he called us Yanks at one point. He did. Um, which I'm all, all for that. Teach us some lessons because as Yanks, we deserve it. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he stood out to me in this this segment, just seems super charismatic. I got similar vibes to the first time I saw um. Uh Ricky Starks talk in AEW. It was like, whoa, there's something there. And obviously Starks has a lot more skins on the wall in terms of professional wrestling than Okogo, but uh it seems the company's super invested in him. And if this is what QT Marshall's like new evil group is gonna be, is like putting over these younger guys and establishing them as heat-seeking heels, then Okay, I think I think this can work. So, got to see how they interact with the old Nightmare family. And I don't know if they gave us a name, um, but I did like. I the believe part they're of called saying, the Factory. The Factory. Okay, because I did like them throwing the paint over the Nightmare Factory logo at the school. And I do know I, I love the lines like "I carried your brother for whatever like remnants of his career he had left." Like I thought, I thought that was pretty harsh there from, from QT. My
1: favorite line was your slogan should be do the work for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, he had some, what, it, what a heels do Joel. They tell the truth. Yeah. And freaking QT had me buying it. And also you always know, like the video promos, the recorded ones are always going to be good. Like 99% of the time, because if it's not, they can just redo it. So, need to see qt more with a live mic and in front of the crowd but you know what step one of the heel turn a plus great so far well joel uh i think we can just about wrap it up but in news i have been stuck twice by daddy pfizer so i am going to be open mouth kissing everyone here soon with consent of course (laughs) um but i am Feeling good. Had a little bit of uh, some symptoms yesterday, but overall, you know, it was a sick day where I watched I watched Godzilla. Uh, I I watched Star Wars documentaries. So it was, a, it was a sick day. Feeling good. By this time next week, I should be pretty much protected. But I guess what I'm trying to say is get your vaccines, people. Get stuck.
1: Hi, I'm very excited. Uh, the wife and I are going to get vaccinated tomorrow i don't know why i said that i really hate when people use the phrase the wife and i
0: yeah Um, that i think the haircut and the muscle shirt are getting to your head there dude
1: you know i've spent a lot of time out in the sun it's been really hot this week i think i'm probably just delirious i need a shower Um,
0: (laughs) well that but we are getting
1: vaccinated tomorrow and i'm very excited about it um so that'll be round one uh, I think, okay. I think we're getting the Moderna, uh, four and, week waiting uh, then waiting period. in a couple Got of it. weeks. We'll, uh, we'll get round two. And then in a couple of weeks after that, we'll be good to go.
0: Open mouth kisses for everyone. The dream of double or nothing 2021 is still intact. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed,
1: saying. man. I, I'd love it. If you could come down here and visit, that'd be fantastic. Do a live
0: podcast, Do, record some new drops with the, the equipment and, uh, Yeah, man, I got an email from AEW that the tickets I had for in April of last year have been rescheduled for September at the Aganis Arena here in Boston. So, um, you know, here's hoping. Maybe I'll make a
1: little birthday trip.
0: I I have four tickets and I don't remember who paid me for them (laughs) 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 because it was originally supposed to be April like 9th of last year. And I bought them in December of last year. So No, December of 2019, I think, is when I bought them. So I legit don't know who has like dibs on these tickets. Pretty sure one of them is having a kid. So he might not be wrestling down. So (laughs) we will work that out. Okay, guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. You can follow us on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. Joel at The Other Joel. Me at Michael underscore Randa. Joel picked up his phone because he knows he doesn't have to say anything until the very end of the podcast. I can see you now. You can email us at the show at gmail.com. Follow us on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're a droid guy like me, Samsung guy, pretty much on all the podcasting apps out there. And Joel, anything to say before I make your chicken enchilada dip tonight? Join the dark order. Join the dark order.
1: Remember, everybody, life's a work, duck the clothesline, and happy wrestling.